Well, I, I love that we have uh, kids worship. I love that we have our, our kids time. Um, I also love that uh, we get to get together and to look at God's word. Right now, we're doing that with a sermon series called Come and See. And we're looking through a TV miniseries called The Chosen. Uh, we're on week six right now. If you have not started watching The Chosen yet, what I wanted you to know is it's not too late. You can still start watching it. And it's actually kind of designed to hook you. And once you start watching it, you're not going to want to stop. So you can catch up really quick. Am I right? Anyone who's been watching it on their own? Um, we, can, we, we can help you figure out how to get that uh, on your phone or a computer or on your uh, smart TV. There's a number of ways to stream it. Just come ask us. But so far in this series, we've been getting a fresh perspective on Jesus. And what we've found as we go through and we start to kind of see Jesus and he interacts with people little by little, there's something about Jesus that just kind of draws us in, right? Like if Jesus was, was really here in the way he's portrayed in that film, I want Jesus to be my friend. I feel like I want to go spend time with him. I want whatever it is that he has. And there are people that when they encounter Jesus, their lives are beginning to be changed. And so Mary Magdalene is the first one in this series. And the famous words that we've been going back to just because it's such a great, simple description of the gospel coming into contact with our lives. Mary Magdalene tells someone, I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Jesus makes our lives completely different. We've seen Simon, who later will become Peter. Uh, he encounters Jesus and is starting to follow Jesus now. He's probably still got some rough edges that need to get smoothed out, right? Still some work to be done, but he is following Jesus. And then there's Nicodemus, the Pharisee, the teacher of the law. And his encounters with Jesus are making him question everything he thought he knew. And then we have Matthew, the tax collector, who also is, he's seeing Jesus do things from a distance, and he can't make sense of it. And he's such a logical guy, he's saying something doesn't add up, there's something bigger at work here, and I cannot just deny that. Jesus' encounters with people so far have been kind of on the smaller side. Um, they've been specific individuals, they've been um, people that are kind of key parts of the story uh, last week, we talked about how Jesus, uh, you know, he took all his disciples to a big wedding, and then at the wedding, they were running out of wine. Jesus turned the water into wine, saved the wedding. But the word about Jesus is starting to get out. People are starting to know that, hey, there's this guy, and things are happening. He's starting to draw a crowd, and it makes for some interesting situations that we're going to look at this week. One of those is a man with leprosy comes to Jesus and asks to be healed. And before I show you this clip, I want to just preface it, a little bit of information. Leprosy is also known as Hansen's disease. And it actually is, is, is a disease that affects our skin, but it really goes down to the nervous system and a decaying of kind of how your body functions. There, is, there was no known cure at that time, uh, which was awful, right? And you get that disease, it was, it was kind of like a, a slow death sentence. But worse than that, it, was, it meant that you had a life condemned to isolation. You were not allowed to be in community with others. Um, it's interesting that um, although they did not know exactly how it was spread, it, Hansen's disease is a droplet-based um, bacteria that spreads kind of like COVID, 
And there are different um, rules uh, at different times in different places, but one of those was a six-foot social distancing rule from 2,000 years ago. Kind of weird, right? Hits a little too close to home. Um, I want you to keep that in mind as you watch this encounter of the leper coming to find this guy that he's heard about named Jesus. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you can't know this disease. You Please don't turn noise from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go, show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? So that hits a little too close to home in our, uh, in our pandemic-ridden society, right? The weird thing is that was released in fall 2019. So not even, that, this was before the pandemic was happening, and that don't breathe their air. Oh, man. How many, how many of us have thought that in the last year or two? I think this uh, miracle, this healing of the leper is such a powerful story for us to understand the kind of work that Jesus wants to do, not only in the lives of people with physical impairments, but in all of our lives. Jesus doesn't want to just gather followers who listen to his teachings and say that they follow him. He wants fundamentally 
change and transform and heal our lives. Jesus wants to make us new. So as we go through this, uh, I mean, we're going to look at another passage of Jesus healing someone. And I want you to ask this question as we're talking through that scripture today. How do I need Jesus to come into my life and make me new? Let's pray. God, we're here before you because we want to encounter you. And so Jesus, open us up to all that you would like to show us through your word today. Come and show us the places where we need your healing work in our lives, where we need you to come and make us new. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we are going to go through a passage today that really is right after the healing of the leper. So in Luke 5, the leper gets healed, and we just saw that in the video. And immediately after that, we see these words. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So the word is getting out about Jesus, and uh, it's, it's leading to some instances that are a little awkward, right? That, that thing that happened on the road, I, I, just, I don't think we often imagine what it would have been like to be with Jesus when crowds and individuals are trying to get to him. Um, it would have been disruptive. It would have been not <laughs> according to plan, right? And so we're going to see one of those examples that happens right now. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And so Jesus is teaching a group of people. We'll later find in this passage that it's a, it's a crowd of people. And it's it's the, the big crowds that, hap- that were talked about just in the previous verse. And it's interesting, in addition to the normal people that are there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are there. And most likely, they're trying to check out Jesus to see if he is friend or foe. Is he a part of their cause or is he uh, going against their cause? Uh, And so they, they are there observing. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So we have some new characters in the story. There's a man that's paralyzed, but he, he's obviously, he can't get there on his own. He has four friends, or not four. In another narrative, there are four, I think. But in this one, it says some men who are bringing him to Jesus. And they want to lay him before Jesus. Why do you think they want to lay him before Jesus? To, to be healed. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Uh, we have a paralyzed guy. We've just been told that Jesus is doing other healing miracles. We've just been told the power is with him to heal. And they're bringing their friend to Jesus so that he can be healed. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. So apparently this crowd was way too big and they could not get close to Jesus. They went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So we find that Jesus doesn't just have a crowd around him in an open marketplace. Uh, he's in a house. This is more like a house party that has gotten a little out of control. It's spilling out into the front yard. And the people that are really trying to get there can't even get through the crowd. But these friends, they do something kind of amazing, don't they? They don't, they don't get there and give up, much like I think many of us would say, well, 
that up-and-coming teacher is busy and, you know, we don't want to interrupt the teaching. No, they, they say, what could we possibly do to get this guy to Jesus? We have to get this guy to Jesus. They go up on the roof, not their own house, but they put a hole in the roof of someone else's house and drop this guy right in where Jesus is teaching. And I think that shows an amazing amount of commitment. It also shows an amazing amount of expectation that Jesus not only can do something, but that he will do something if he's given the opportunity. And here's how Jesus responds. When he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, there's a few things here that really kind of shock us. First of all, Jesus doesn't say, hey, guys, the religious leaders are watching right now. Um, I'd like to be ordained one day, so please, could we just do this later? Right? That, that might be my, uh, my go-to. Like, yes, we can, we can do this, but can we do it later? Um, he doesn't just ig- ignore the guy and keep teaching. I'm sure he, he maybe could have done that, and the people outside might not have noticed as much. Um, but he, he actually addresses this man. Now, the reason he does that is one of the more interesting things. He, when he saw their faith, it's the faith of the friends that seems to prompt Jesus to do something. That's an amazing thing. He responds to this man's friend's faith, but then what he tells the paralytic is not what we would expect, right? We would expect that he would, okay, you're healed. Go on your way. Jesus doesn't address his inability to move his legs. He addresses this man's sin problem. He tells him his sins are forgiven. Now, why would Jesus, why would he even bring that up? Isn't that interesting? Now, when we see things like this in Scripture um, that are shocking, that are surprising, it's trying to make a point. So we got to stick with it. we got to figure this out. So, so here's a few ways that we could try to understand this. Option one Maybe the man is paralyzed because he's sinful. It was a common belief in that time that um, physical impairment or the situations of your life might be caused because of your sinfulness. So maybe Jesus is going to heal him by fixing the sin problem. You know, the problem with that is if that were true, all of us would be paralyzed. And there are other places in Scripture, Jesus actually addresses that, and he says that, that is not how this works. So uh, having sin in your life does not automatically mean that you have a physical impairment or a bad situation happen to you. That's not how, that's not how God has set up things to work. So what's another, what's another uh, option? Well, we could say, well, maybe Jesus just cares so much about this guy's eternal life that he, he just goes straight to the biggest problem, right, the sin problem, and that paralytic, it doesn't really matter if he can walk or not because he'll go to heaven when he dies. Right? An oversimplification of the Christian gospel would, would, would actually point to that. But the problem we have with that is that Jesus actually does heal the paralytic. Um, he does fix his legs. We'll see in just a moment. Um, we also know that Jesus uh, does not only deal with the sin problem in our status before God. He does care about what happens in this life too. So then why, why would Jesus do this? Well, one of the reasons, I actually think there's, there's a couple reasons. One of the reasons is that, uh, the, remember, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are watching. And I think Jesus, um, even though it's a difficult thing to get into, I think he wants people to know who he really is. 
Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna look at that conversation in a second. The other thing that I see happening though is that uh, he is going to heal this man, but not in exactly the way the man expected. This man's gonna end up getting both physical healing and spiritual healing. He's gonna be healed in a bigger and more full way than he could have even imagined. So let's look at what happens. Jesus uh, really upsets some things here. The scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And, and so to blasphemy is to, kind of, is to violate the majesty of God. So to claim to be able to do something that only God can do, to claim to be God, forgiving sins is something only God can do. And so the, the religious leaders are not happy about this. Uh, this is, if you'll remember, uh, towards the end of the gospel stories, what Jesus originally is charged with to be crucified is blasphemy. So this is the beginning of the road towards the cross, you guys. Jesus responds to them. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Now, what's, what's funny about this, he's just claimed to be able to forgive sins, which is something only God can do. He also just read their minds, which is something only God can do. He's making a pretty bold claim here, right? Do I have to say it? He's, he's claiming to be God, and he continues on. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So the, the, the logic train he's using, is he's saying, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or be healed and walk? It's actually, I, it's easy for me to say either one, right? But y'all don't know if I have the authority to actually do that unless you see evidence. And which one can you see evidence of? It, it's hard to see evidence of someone's forgiveness of sins. Um, when, when someone gets healed and can walk, oh, that, that is pretty obvious. And so Jesus says, so that you know I can do both. And then he turns to the man and he, he heals the man. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So Jesus heals the paralytic and makes a bold statement about who he is. And what, what really stands out to me, he heals the paralytic in more ways than that guy could have even imagined. God doesn't want to just do that to this paralyzed man. God wants to also heal and transform our lives more than we can even imagine. I think sometimes we forget that the good news of the gospel of Jesus is not just that we get a place to go for eternity. I mean, that's a huge part of it. We get forgiven. We get a new status before God, but we also get a new life in Christ. And there's a great verse uh, that Alyssa read. I want to put it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God is in the business of making us new. Of like, He's like refurbishing us, right? To be uh, even better than what we once were or what we were created to be. Um, and God does that 
by being at work in our lives. So I think for a lot of us, um, the thought of God healing, I don't know, we might, well, I don't know if God wants to do a big thing like that. God does want to do a big thing like that, but God wants to heal us in a holistic way. So that's a spiritual healing, reconnecting us with God, giving us forgiveness of sins. That's also uh, emotional healing, helping us from the traumas and the losses and the, the places where we have real struggles. And let's face it, right? We all have those things we're still going through. And Jesus wants to come in and heal those parts of our lives as well. God wants to come into our hearts and to remake our hearts, right? You've heard of those things, the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I got the song going. I'm hearing Chris talk about it last week. God wants to come and to remake our hearts so that we can love like Jesus loves. God wants to make us new in all sorts of ways. And yes, God wants to heal us sometimes physically. And I need to, to say first, I, I have my own story of experiencing physical healing, and I think I shared that two or three years ago, and I, I think I'm too early in my preaching career to start reusing stories. So I, come talk to me after if you want to hear uh, a powerful work that God really did in my life. And physical healing, I believe, still happens today. I also know that there are times when we experience the instantaneous work of God in our lives in a big, powerful, rushing way. And far more often, I find that I can look back and see the gradual, long, time-over-time ways that God is at work healing and doing a big thing over a long amount of time. I don't think it's always an instantaneous flash and bang and fireworks kind of thing. Although, I wouldn't... I wouldn't don't say God can't do that. I think he does that sometimes. What I think we have to be careful of is we have to know when we're praying for healing and transformation, sometimes God does not give us the answer we want. That doesn't mean God's not with us. God is with us, and sometimes uh, that just looks different than the path we would have chosen, right? God's ways are sometimes hard to understand. You know, one thing that I do know is that having people around you for the journey is a really big part of that. There's times when I really can't bring myself to the foot of the cross by myself, but I've had friends that can pray me that way and bring me that way. And there are times when we need friends like the paralytic to carry us before Jesus. I want you to watch this clip. I'm sorry, there's too many people. But you know him. Can't you get us any closer? I don't want to interrupt the teacher by causing a scene. What if you were me? Wouldn't you want your friends to make a scene? It was you once. What about the roof? And that's such an interesting thing. We see Tamar, the Ethiopian, who was there when Jesus healed the leper. And since she has seen the amazing compassion and the healing power of Jesus, she is devoted to sharing that with her friend who is paralyzed. 
Now, that, that dotted line connection is not, we don't see that in Scripture, but that, that is an example of how that could have happened. What's powerful about that is that when people see the compassion and the healing power of Jesus, they then are motivated to offer that to others. And it's because of the friends being so devoted, they're even willing to risk shame and go through some guy's house, go through the roof, and interrupt the great teacher who's teaching in order to get their friend to Jesus. Watch the rest of this scene as it unfolds. Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man! You are willing, Rabbi. I know you can do this. authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise.
amazing. Friends, Jesus wants to heal our lives even more than we can imagine. What, what stands out to me in the film that I didn't pick up my first time reading through the scripture, but it's there, it's not just that Jesus can heal us and transform us, it's that he has so much depth of compassion and he really wants to heal us and transform us. And when we see the indescribable compassion of Jesus, I think that does something and it opens us up to say, all right, Jesus, I will let you in. So I wonder today, how do you need Jesus to come and make you new? How do you need healing? If you can't get there on your own, uh, we have friends here that want to pray for you. We have a prayer usher that will be in the gathering area after the service that would love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. I'm sure people around you would love to be a part of that too. How do you need Jesus to come and to give you healing in your life today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the amazing compassion of Jesus, for the ways that it moves us to know that we are loved, to know that we are valued, to know that Jesus really has uh, bigger dreams for our lives than, than we do. So open us up, Lord. Bring your healing power and your presence into our lives to make us new, fill us with a compassion that we can then go and share with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.